Welcome back to the Yates of Viewer podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cohen. I'm here today with my friend and coworker, Henry. Tonight, we have a very interesting discussion for you guys. We have the 1994 player strike versus the coronavirus, and we're going to discuss which was worse for baseball. And the answer may seem obvious to you, but we're going to have a lot of leading and driving questions. And the answer for both of us might surprise you a bit. So, Henry, what was your first kind of initial reaction to looking at this discussion question? Well, when you first brought it up, and uh, I thought it sounded like a good idea, but I was a little bit worried because, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big baseball fan myself, but maybe not as great a historian as I uh, could be because I, I, I didn't know a whole lot about the 94 player strike coming in. Uh, to today, but your question prompted me to do a little bit of research, and I learned some interesting stuff, so I, I hopefully we can share a little bit of knowledge with the listeners, too. It certainly is a fun research topic, and especially for me, too, because I wasn't around during that time. I did a presentation way back when in eighth grade, but I don't remember too much from that, and it's funny to see what actually came about from the strike, how the players won some leverage, they got paid more and how it kind of created modern-day arbitration where for the first three or so years, the player doesn't get to decide their salary, and then they start to argue the teams, and then they have free agency. It kind of set all of that up. So that kind of also drives into their first real question, what makes these situations different? Well, uh, the obvious one is that uh, the player strike of 94 was – it wasn't – it, or I'm sorry, that one was optional. You know, that was the players making a conscious decision. It's, it's about the labor agreement. Whereas what we're seeing today is is not anybody's choice. That's the science. The disease is, is forcing everybody's hand there to where we obviously don't have a choice but to not be playing these games right now. Additionally, during the 1994 season, they missed the World Series, missed the playoffs, and Although there is a still a big chance that baseball cannot happen this season, Manfred said that baseball should happen. A lot of MLB execs, all the reporters are saying, so odds are we'll see a World Series and playoffs this year. But there's also so many similarities because there was missed time. A lot of fans were very upset. Tons of disagreement about what should happen. There's, there's still disputes between players and owners, obviously a lot more in 1994 but the players were on strike, and now how the players are, it's a different situation. The players are trying to play, but also they don't want to risk their safety. So those kind of fall in line as well. Yeah, I think it's certainly a little more of a united front these days where everybody wants to get back out there. The owners want games, the players want games, and everybody wants it to be done safely. Uh, whereas, like you said, Adam, in 94, those, those two sides were very much opposed. Yeah, and it almost seemed just if you t- just taking a first glance in '94, it almost looks a bit selfish that the players and the owners would just go at it and hold the fans off. But now the players, the fans, the owners are trying to do everything they can to get baseball forward. Although it's not completely genuine, there's revenue and money and contracts and winning the World Series at stake. A lot of this does seem more like a united front. So I agree with you there. Absolutely, and I think that makes it a lot more bearable from a fan standpoint that there isn't some fight going on that is preventing us from from baseball. 
but rather a fight for, for the country's health, for the well-being of the fans and for baseball, you know, for Americans everywhere that, you know, there isn't, uh, there isn't some, you know, you can't characterize it as a silly debate between these two sides. It is as everybody fighting the disease. Exactly. And leading into our next question, it seems like the coronavirus at first, at least in my opinion, it seemed worse for baseball because it's a virus, it's stopping out sports, fans are dying, and there's so much uncertainty. And I didn't live through 94. I don't know if you did remember it too much, but there, it just seems like there's more uncertainty now than there was in 94, arguably. Yeah, and you make a great point, and that is great perspective to keep in mind, Adam, that as uh, – you know, that this is a life and death situation and as awful as it is to not have baseball, that alone uh, in 94 was was a different situation and to where, you know, at least everybody's safe that there isn't this public health crisis. Um, but, I, you know, it's still not good for baseball to miss. It was like uh, not quite a full season's worth of games, I guess, uh, yeah, it was, it was overall, I think, like 80, 70 or something games missed between the end of the 94 season and the beginning of 95. Does, does that sound right, Adam? It definitely sounds right, yeah. So you're, you're missing out on a lot of revenue there, and then bad for the players, too, and, and guys that were having career seasons, didn't get to cap that off, um, and dudes who, you know, trying to build Hall of Fame resumes to where maybe you, you take a step back there. Off the top of my head, I don't have a particular player who just missed the cut because of that. But I'm sure, you know, there were guys that, that could have started to build a better case that were impacted by that. True. I would certainly say, just to agree with you, and also play devil's advocate for the question, all those players that were having great seasons, they just their season suddenly came to a halt, and that was it. But now everyone starts fresh. I, I saw some fun tweets today by the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're saying, hey, we're in first place today, <laughs> like every other team in baseball. So at least everyone's in the same boat. At least there's not going to be this, hopefully, this delay. There could be, but hopefully there won't be. But then it just came to a halt, and everyone's, you're right, everyone's season got shorted. We'll get to in later about teams that missed out as well, the biggest losers in 94. So in that regard, it almost seems like 94 is a bit worse. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I think that's another good point that you don't have, uh, you're not 111 games into a season and then having it come to that grinding halt where you're sitting 20, 30 games in first place and you're, you're thinking this could have been our year and it never happened. So at least it is uh, an equal playing field in, in the suffering these days. That's very true. Do you remember a couple years back when they had a 1994 20-year anniversary of the Expos team? No, I missed that. It, it was pretty funny. They had John Wetland, they had Pedro Martinez, they had all these great guys come to Rogers Center in the Blue Jays ballpark. It was it was crazy. It was it was really cool to see, and it was just kind of sad the whole thing because the Expos only made the playoffs in nineteen eighty one, so that could have been their year. Yeah, and then it kind of killed the franchise. Eventually, they never really recovered from that. Never got the attendance, and then. Ultimately uh, relocated to Washington in 2005, Yep, I think. Yeah. You definitely bring up a good uh, – the... go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say they're the big losers here probably. Yeah, there's some other teams involved to that too, but you certainly bring up a good point in how they were just so affected by it. But 
What was the what's worse for the fans? What is it ninety four or is it twenty twenty of the virus? I you know, you make the argument that this is a scarier time for the fans and that uh, not only are you missing out on baseball and you're anxious about when that's going to come back, but the public health concern as well. But I think 94 really hurt public perception in the game, man. Uh, I think a lot of the fans kind of got the idea that players were greedy and that they shouldn't have been sitting out, that you know they were already some rich guys who were just whining about getting more money. Uh, and you see, you saw with the attendance numbers in the following seasons that the game took a long time to recover, and missing that many games that that had to be pretty awful for the fans. Uh, and hopefully, we don't get to that point. Just for those who don't know, in '94, baseball had a record attendance of 31,265 fans per game on average. '95, that plummeted to 25,021. Didn't reach that 30,000th threshold again until 2004, which probably in large part was because of Barry Bonds. But still, it you're right. It took them a long time to recover. And it's, it's kind of weird that it, it, in a way, maybe it took the steroid era to recover, but that was kind of only a temporary solution to where people ended up getting mad about that too, to where that was something else you had to recover from. But if, if nothing else, it shows that baseball is a resilient game, that we have recovered from stoppages and public, uh, public perception issues in the past uh, to where this, I'm sure this game will persevere and come out better than ever. So this kind of leads into a later question, but you're, and you bring up this great point, the steroid era. The steroid era really came about this way. Tell me not if baseball was going smoothly, if it was going just as well as it had 94, Seelig may have not let the steroid era pass. This is almost what, what Seelig gets the Hall of Fame, kind of letting the steroid era happen, letting baseball come back, implementing the wild card, which was huge at the time, going from six teams to eight teams who made the playoffs. That was very, very high, and no one was expecting that. And you're right, baseball's a resilient game. There's all these changes that they kind of do when they come back. In 2020, this is already starting to happen in place, but we might see them even more closely in this shortened season. We could see speedier games, more playoff games, new divisions, robot umpires, more kind of player-driven media, such as MLB The Show. So in that situation, what's the diff- who is bouncing back better in these situations? Is it the 94 strike or is it the 2020 coronavirus? Uh, and it's, it's hard to say at this point, being uh, so early into the situation and into the bounce back here. Um, it's, it is definitely encouraging the discussions that we've heard that baseball is trying so hard uh, to be that first sport back. Um, so I think they're doing a great job so far, but there's still so much work to be done. Uh, and hopefully the response is better than the steroid era. I think I'm totally buying your argument there that Bud Selig kind of just let that run wild because he knew the game needed a shot in the arm, if you will, uh, after that work stoppage in 94. So hopefully um, the response is a little bit better this time. And I think, like we were talking about earlier, that United front is going to cause it to be where it doesn't have to be anything crazy drastic like steroids. We're, we're just going to be happy to have baseball back. Yeah, at the same time, this kind of get 
this is kind of really bad for the baseball purists, and I would consider myself as one too. And there's a lot of baseball purists out there because baseball is a very old demographic. This this kind of whole shortened season will cause baseball to push their agenda of this new, fun, revitalized game that no one knows is going to happen. There'll be speedier games. They won't be as long. They'll change out certain innings, all this stuff. And I really don't like that. I did not want that to happen in the first place. I think that's a weird stance that Mafford's had from the start. And now it's all going to come crashing down right now during 2020. And it's gonna it's definitely going to be weird for baseball. You, I see that from a baseball purist standpoint, but from the casual fan standpoint and from trying to build the game with a younger demographic, I think it could be the right move to start transitioning to some of those funner, new, quirky ideas. And it seems like a lot of the times they, they seem like they're out there and it seems like something we're going to hate and then we start doing it. Like the, the one-game uh, wild card they started a couple years back. People were kind of up in arms about that at the beginning, but then... Sometimes they work out, and I think this is a unique opportunity to try out some of those uh, those new ideas. And I, I do I, I totally identify with the baseball purist argument. I, I like to consider myself a bit of one as well, but just given the circumstances of this year, I find myself just happy to have baseball, or I will be happy to have baseball in, in any capacity possible. In the long run, we won't really have a choice because when they say baseball happens – Baseball happens, and of course, everyone wants baseball back, and whether or not, whatever form we see, we could have as crazy as Jeff Passion's 24-team playoff that goes 60 days, which would be wild, to say the least. But you are right. There are some of these factors that have really kind of shaped baseball in a positive way. Getting rid of the intentional walk has helped uh, speed things up. Having these replay review, that helps speed things up. But something as drastic as robot umpires realigning divisions permanently, having two months of playoff games, that could be fun, but it'd also just be so much and just a bit unnecessary. And killing uh, the DH in the NL, another one that I would expect uh, to be coming somewhere down the line, which as a, as a National League fan myself or a fan of a National League club, I would hate to see that from a purist standpoint. But I think speeding the game up, there's no way around that, that just to build the game, they can't be having these three-and-a-half-hour contests anymore. It, it's got to be a little more action-packed. It has to be faster. And I think that would be change for the good. That's a fair point. But just to go a bit on a tangent – what do you sacrifice a universal DH for a pitcher's home run derby? That's an idea I've had for a while, and I'd love to see it. No, I wouldn't. It would it would be fun to see a pitcher's home run derby, and uh, but you know if they don't get a swing at all in regular season games, that derby might not be so fun. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you gotta you gotta see who are the best swingers instead of just them volunteering. That's that's a good point. Yeah, you got to earn your spot in there with the, the Jake Arrietas and Carlos Zambranos, Madison Bumgarner, too, to name a non-cub, to name some uh, pitchers who rake of the world. That's that's very true. Actually, Zach Grinke as well, long forgotten. There we go. And CeCe, yeah. my former Yankee. CeCe did rake. You forget about that, him being in the AL for the end of his career. But, yeah, he did. When he was with the, with the Brewers, it was briefly, but I remember he hit against the Cubs pretty well. The Dodgers, too, had a couple memorable home runs against at the Dodgers Stadium. Yeah, CC was a beast. Uh, a great career, and we, he will be missed. 
Uh, he will be missed from baseball. I'm not CC Sabathia is still alive for all I know. <laughs> he is, and he, he was such a character. But moving on, getting back to the forefront of discussion. What well, what's worse for revenue, both short term and long term, ninety four or twenty twenty? That is a difficult question to say, uh, with not knowing exactly when the season is going to start back up and not knowing if fans are going to be in those seats when the season does start back up. That is, I think that is one of the biggest variables at play here uh, because I know that, that more and more money is coming in with TV revenue these days. Uh, like the marquee network, the Cubs were supposed to launch this season. Great timing on that. Uh, but you know, I think it could have some big implications if you're not able to fill those seats. But I'm still hopeful that 94 will end up being the bigger revenue impact because I'm hoping that that is going to be more games missed than we missed this year. See, that seems more of like a long-term stance. I think short-term it will be hit hard because there could be pay cuts, owners can lose money, MLB teams can lose money by not filling the stands. But imagine when baseball comes back. Imagine when we get to see all the fans back in the stands. Baseball could see a boom. They nearly had, what, $4 billion in revenue last year. That could go to maybe four and a half or so. That can that can really increase because everyone's going to want to see a baseball game. There's so many games that everyone will want to just go to one. Yeah, my notes say $7 billion in revenue for MLB last year, so even better. Uh, okay, that may have been, I may have seen that just for them going to the stadium. But yeah, with TV deals, that sounds about right. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was, that was probably just a, a big picture versus a piece of it. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of dollars at stake here. And with, you know, not knowing the science all the way behind the disease, not knowing, you know, if or when that could come back, that that could have some pretty big long-term implications. But you are certainly right, Adam, that in the short term, this is huge. Not only, you know, you see the economy suffering all across the country, but from a baseball economy standpoint, that there is there is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of checks not being cashed these days. There are a lot of people out of work, and there are, there's, there are some economic problems, to put it shortly. It's funny because I didn't even think about the economy in this situation too, but you're right because people were complaining about how the cost of a baseball game was going up. Maybe not for the Mets who still have that rare $5 seat, but baseball tickets as a whole might go down a bit because people are searching for work. People might not have as much money at hand. So that could also be a giant pay cut for baseball as well. And people might be nervous about going into public, into these giant stadiums when we do see baseball coming back and when we do see fans allowed to go to games. That could be another factor. True. There are so many reports saying that when we return back to normal life, it won't be normal at first. It'll go in stages, so people might have to wear masks in public places for a while, which would, of course, be terrible. And you're right, people might be afraid to go into a stadium with 50,000 people. That, Especially during this time, that sounds a little scary. Yeah, that is that is the last thing that I want to do right now, and it's going to take some time for that to not be the perception and for that to not be the the you know the actual the fact that you shouldn't be doing that right now. Certainly, besides the economy and revenue, who who did this most affect for playoff caliber or fringe playoff teams, both in '94 and 2020, of course. 
Well, we talked in 94 about the Expos and that, that they were the big losers there and that it pretty much killed their franchise, killed the best year that they ever had and their best chance at a World Series. But when you look back at the teams that were in line for to make the playoffs in 94 and then the teams that actually did end up making it in 95, there were some new faces that, uh, that entered the equation there. I think the, the Red Sox came out and they weren't in the picture in 94 and they were in it in 95. Uh, the Rockies, a young franchise kind of finding their legs, were able to be winners in 95 coming onto the coming into the uh, playoff picture there. But some other losers, uh, the Royals were a team that I believe were in line to make the playoffs in 94 and then ended up missing out. And uh, I think there were a couple more, Adam. Are there any I'm missing there? Yeah, the Rangers, who weren't in the playoffs too often, the Astros took them a while, the Giants kind of some – last-ditch effort from the 80s, so it's certainly affecting the Yankees also would have probably won the division in 94, and you think about a couple guys in the Yankees that come to mind just personally, when I remember that team, or try to think about the team, they had Mattingly and Showalter. Showalter won manager of the year then, so it's pretty insane about just the losers bracket and what could have been. Yeah, and you know, you think about the way that you build a franchise to where if you if you make a deep playoff run in '94, maybe that affects the way you're you're looking at the future for the next couple of years. But if that season just ends abruptly, and you were kind of halfway in between competing and rebuilding, that could that totally impact the direction that you're going to take. Exactly, all those fringe teams that we mentioned, including the Royals, the White Sox, and the Expos, Exhibit A, they changed the course of history for them. Imagine if they won a World Series or had a pretty deep playoff run. They might not be in Washington, D.C. right now. The uh, Montreal Expos could have been 2019 World Series champions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But in 2020, who are the biggest winners and who are the biggest losers of this shortened season? Um, For 2020, I, I really don't know. I would say the teams that aren't, on paper looking so good that they're winners and that in a shortened season, they have a better chance of making the playoffs kind of randomness plays more of a factor in a short sample size. So I'd say bad teams are winners. And then if you're like the Yankees or Dodgers who have one of the best records in baseball, you trust that over 162 game sample size, you're going to get your hundred wins and your dominance is going to show. I think other uh, teams maybe that are more injury-prone as well. You could also throw in the Yankees there. No offense, Adam. But, <laughs> um, you know, if injuries are, are popping up in a shortened season, you're, you're more likely to have your year derailed. So I guess durable teams are winners there too. Exactly. So these teams that are just head and shoulders should win, such as the Dodgers or the Yankees, if they get placed into this new division, that could really screw them up and – Teams in this shortened season, I actually wrote an article about this recently, about how this shortened season will kind of cause all teams to do whatever they can. We could see the Braves just run wild with Acuna and Albies and Inciarte. The Royals could steal a lot of bases. The Nationals could use their starting pitching a lot more. All these teams might play to their strengths a lot more to try to win these games because every game is just that more important right now. But there's also some teams like the Dodgers as well, who they got Mookie Betts for this one-year rental, and they might not get to play him, which would be insane. 
I would certainly make them a loser. And I love the point that you just made about teams maybe being a little bit more risky with a shortened season. And while that certainly would be fun to watch, that could lead to some long-term losers. Take the Cubs, for instance. Uh, say we only play 80 games in 2020, and the Cubs, you saw, you saw in the offseason, were kind of halfway in between rebuilding and going for it, not spending a whole lot of money, staying put. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's only an 80-game season in 2020, and we're like, all right, it's shorter, let's go for it. Randomness may help us out a little bit here. And they don't trade Chris Bryant, and then ultimately he walks, you get nothing in return. That could turn you to a long-term loser because you were a little more uh, willing to take that risk in a shortened season. Even at the lower level, this could help too. Imagine all these prospects that could be rushed up to the big leagues to try to help them out. And you're a Cubs fan, so you remember Starlin Castro being rushed up way too early, and he was fine for you guys. He actually did pretty well as he started to mature with age, but... Those could be some tough rides for those young prospects getting thrown to the big leagues a bit too fast. But man, would it be exciting to see Mackenzie Gore, uh, Wander Franco, guys like that at the beginning of the season. That would be awesome. Joe Adele, another guy we'd love to see up early. It would be kind of awesome to see the youth movement even more emphasized that way. But you're right, that could impact guys' development. And you know, hopefully teams would, would still... Uh, I'm sure it, it kind of depends on where you are, too. You know, if you're looking to be a playoff team, but say you're the Orioles, Royals, Marlins, you still figure in a shortened season you're, you're still going to suck, so maybe you're, you're still playing it safer there. Actually, for even those smaller market teams, for example, the Marlins have Jonathan VR, who was a 2040 player last year. The only one in baseball, which is hard to believe. But imagine they let him run rampant and they trade him off. Or these teams to be huge sellers if they have some sort of pieces be, because then all these other teams, all these fringe teams are trying to make it while they could just kind of reap in the prospects. Adam, you are you are making dropping all sorts of knowledge tonight and making some great points, man. That yeah, that is that is a great point right there. Absolutely. Hey, you brought it out of me. You you mentioned how the prospects are helping me out. I like this exchange. <laughs> hey, that's how it's supposed to work, right, man? Exactly, exactly. So let's move on to a bit of a, a different tangent. It's, it's, it's unique in the sense that if base, baseball kind of seems the only team, or the only sport, rather, that's going to return first. So could it become the number one sport in America or the world? Maybe in 2020, longer? Will there be a boom for fans in 2020? Can we see revenue spike in 21? What do you think? I think that if it is the first sport to come back, that it will definitely be the number one sport for that time <laughs> while it was the only one. Uh, but, you know, I do think that there could be a temporary boost from that and that, you know, if fans get hooked and, and invested in it early to where, you know, it's like as, as uh, we've all been binging, I'm sure, throughout this outbreak, you start watching a really good show and you get halfway through the season, you're going to finish it. You don't want to just you know, miss out on, on knowing how it ended. So hopefully, you know, for the 2020 season, I think, yes, absolutely, you could see a boost. Uh, not sure uh, about number one sport in America. Once football comes back, I presume they would uh, take that crown. But that's okay. You know, we can get along with football. I love both of them. Uh, but, you know, I think that seeing such a great response and seeing uh, that baseball works so hard to get back, that that could be really great for the game in a public interest standpoint. And, 
hopefully uh, maybe convert some people who wouldn't have otherwise watched who stick around for years to come. I certainly agree. You see people online watching all sorts of random sports. I think people are watching slap boxing from a while back or throwing on old baseball clips. They're watching MLB The Show, which honestly, that has no interest in me just seeing people play a fake baseball game. It's fun to see the players commentate, but just just watching that all together, that just does not sit well with me. But yeah, of course, if baseball is the only sport happening, we'll be the number one sport in America for a little while. And it could see a boom for 2020, but football still outpaces them by around $6 billion in total revenue. They average almost twice the number of fans. They also have, of course, a lot less games. So they won't become the number one sport in the world or baseball anytime soon. But this could be helpful for them in the long run. Absolutely. I think that it could be good for the game to to get back there early. It obviously would be good for the game to get back there early. And maybe you're not taking down the Goliath that that is the NFL or or soccer from an international standpoint, but let's get back there, do our thing, grow the game, and uh, get back to to seeing some baseball. As we've mentioned, baseball might try to grow the game in a variety of different ways. Universal DH, Hispanic playoffs, are going to test and try everything. But in 94, what we saw were the owners take advantage of the players. They weren't giving the players their deserved contracts, the players that little negotiation they were taking advantage of. Is anybody being taken advantage of here in this current situation? Uh, I don't really think so as of yet. Um, the one instance where I could see something like that is if uh, one of the more radical details around the return to baseball uh, discussion that I've heard is the players being quarantined for the whole season, like with no contact with their families. If we get to that point, I think that they're kind of being taken advantage of as, as kind of objects for our entertainment there, uh, not really treated like, like human beings. Uh, I think people ought to be able to see their families. And I, you know, I'm kind of torn. I want to see baseball as soon as possible. But if that's what we're going to have to ask of players, I, I don't know if, if that's really fair. Even though they make so much money during the year, so many of them are millionaires, I wouldn't want someone like Mike Trout to miss the birth of their child or to see their child and then come back three weeks later after quarantine himself. That's not an ideal situation. And I believe the new kind of deal they're working towards will ensure that this type of quarantine will be not not a full quarantine. It will be these new divisions, this kind of three-division outline will be regional. So that way players can travel back and forth. They won't be too far away from their families. That that would definitely sit a lot better with me. But is this three is this new division thing, is that definitely happening? It starts to seem like it because I remember watching something from, I think it was Jeff Passan. He was saying how they're going to try this three-team division. They might try not only three states, but it could be like 10 to 12. So Pretty much whatever place opening up, they're going to might use that as resources, which would be really funny. And baseball is no longer looking at May return. Might not be looking at a June return because players have to get in shape and they also have those logistics involved. So they could see late June, early July, probably the latter. And by then, a lot of sanctions could be lifted, which should certainly help. But how awesome would a July 4th opening day be? <laughs> That'd be the most American thing I've seen in a while. I gotta say. 
that would like that would be heart wrenching, man. Just to see like opening day, all the bunting up on the stadiums, stadiums jam packed, all the TV coverage. That would just it would kind of be like America reopening. I would love to see like all the fireworks coming out too. They they would just go hard on that. I would say like every home run, national anthem, of fireworks happening, game ends, fireworks happening. They would go all out with that. All right, let's let's get it marked down, guys. If it's going to be around that time, you might as well make it July Fourth. Come on, Manfred, let's make it happen. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but moving on to a bit of a more serious note, there there has been a recent uh, thing with the umpires, where the umpires are slowly being replaced by robot umpires. That's slowly trying to become a become a norm for baseball, and they just agree to a pay cut today. They don't get paid that much. So they could be the ones advanced here by kind of this new era, new kind of implementation that's happening in the shortened season. And I was kind of wearing the, like, new wave hat earlier, and, and I was kind of backing the, the changes to the game. But robot umpires is one that I don't like. I'll say that because it's not just changing the game. It's canceling people's livelihoods and that uh, you know killing the jobs for the umpires that is is not good and, I, and it already I don't like them having to take pay cuts and I get it with the with the situation at hand but that's not something that I would like to see moving forward the umpires association seems it'd be too strong as well even though they don't as much say as the players association of course but they, they said they would still employ them, which would be weird because they would just look at the baller's strike and then just let the players know. But that isn't a job. And as awful as sometimes Angel Hernandez or Joe West can be, it's a part of baseball. It's an integral part. You can't have baseball without umpires. You can't have basketball or football without referees. It just isn't the right thing. And once you get to livelihood, that just makes it all the much worse. And, and I think that replay uh, being instituted in the last couple seasons has made that not such a pressing issue to where there is that that one or two egregious calls in the game you do have a chance to get it overturned Um, maybe we get to a point where you have one egregious ball strike call a game that you could get overturned Uh, but I don't know I I don't want to see robot umpires yet Seems just too weird. You're right. That's that's a really good point. With the replay system is that seems almost a happy medium between technology and umpires. Yeah, it, it works well. I don't think there's much of a need to go beyond that right now. I think that you know baseball isn't meant to be cut and dry, perfect. You're getting everything absolutely right. It can be a messy game. It can be a sloppy game, and it can be a beautiful game. But it doesn't need to be a perfect game because Adam, it's perfect just the way it is. Who's the baseball purist now? You're sounding completely <laughs> different from the beginning of the podcast where you wanted this whole thing, all these new changes, but I hear you. Robot ums, that's something we could all, we should all agree on. I was just feeling a little poetic there. I thought I would run with it. Oh, no, I loved it. That was that was perfect. Don't, <laughs> don't ever change. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. No problem. So... It seems like we've almost wrapped up the discussion between 94, the coronavirus, all these new impl- implementations. So final verdict, what is worse for baseball? It may not be completely final yet, but for the time being, the player strike or the coronavirus? You know, I wasn't so sure what my answer would be uh, when you brought this question up to me earlier today. 
But going through, talking about it, and breaking it down, I, I feel pretty confidently that 94 was worse, uh, or was is going to be worse when all is said and done with the uh, the current situation. I'm hoping for that, and I, and I feel pretty good about that, you know, because it's, it's not something ugly, a fight between the players and the owners. It's everybody on the same side fighting to get back, and I think the game is going to come back stronger and... I think we're going to be better than ever before, but Adam, are you are you feeling the same way? Do you think 94 was worse? I really do think it was worse because baseball is a soul sport, and that's the type of unity. It wasn't almost for selfish reasons between the players and the owners, even though the players were very much justified. And, of course, the coronavirus is terrible because it affects so many of the general public's lives, and a lot of fans are getting sick. That's an entire that a process of that virus – the coronavirus affects everyone. It's not just limited to baseball. So in that regard, 94 does seem a lot worse. Absolutely. And, yeah, I, I want to point out, too, like, from a life and death, like, not, you know, put sports aside, coronavirus is obviously worse than baseball players going on strike. But from a purely baseball perspective, I think it is, it's safe to say that 94 at least looks worse right now. And on that note, that's all the time that we have for today. Thank you all for listening to the 8-Sit Vila podcast. This is not goodbye. This is see you later. Until next time, this is the 8-Sit Vila podcast.